0: totally accepts you and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. Last week, I had the opportunity to share some really, really good news. Good news of a reality that many of us are not aware of. That Christ lives in us. I want to take a look at one more verse. Uh, In fact, we read it last week. We ended with this in Colossians chapter one, verse 27. Let's see if you remember what we talked about. Paul writes in verse 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. When I learned about this verse approximately 15 years ago, I believed God was distant from me. I believed that my behavior uh, caused God to be distant from me or move closer to me based on how well I was behaving. So, if I was acting in a proper manner, in a holy manner, I believed God would then be close and I would have uh, been approved by him through my many wonderful works. But if I was not consistent with my walk in Christ, I believed in my heart that God was then distant. After all, I've been told God can't handle sin and therefore cannot be around it. Well, that is not true. And this verse in Colossians 1.27 was my wake-up call to begin learning my identity in Christ. And that's what I want this program to be about. I want to use Still Growing in Grace as a way to lay again or affirm a foundation that has been placed in all of us. The Identity in Christ Foundation is paramount because I believe every single person lives out their lives based on two perspectives. Number one, they live their lives based on how they see themselves and how they believe God sees them. So if they believe God is angry with them, they're going to act like it. They're going to walk in fear. But if they believe they're loved, clean, pure, forgiven, there's a whole new freedom that can come if they believe that. Then it comes to our concept of God. If we see God as all scary and and wanting nothing to do with us, we're going to live like that. If we don't believe he exists, we're going to live like that. At any given moment, all of us live out exactly what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about who God is. I know some people use scriptures to help reveal the love of God in profound ways. And yes, you can use scriptures and the scriptures do reveal beautiful news. But I saw a cartoon by uh, a, a man named David Hayward, uh, known as the NakedPastor.com. He had a cartoon of Jesus looking at some people with a bunch of Bibles in their hands. And here's what the quote says. You, if you can picture this in your head, Jesus says to this group of people, the difference between me and you is that you use scripture to determine what love means, and I use love to determine what scripture means. Oh, I love that. Last week, or the week before, we did talk about God is love, and he only works from the place of who he is in his essence, that he is love. Let's take a look at verse 28 in Colossians because we're going to move into a really great story, the story of the prodigal son in just a moment, but I want to end with this Colossians 1 uh, with a reminder to us of what's really going on behind the scenes. I know there are people walking around defeated. They're feeling like I can't measure up or my world is crashing in. I have have screwed up so bad that there is no hope for me. I'm here today to tell you there is hope. There's a greater power going on around you and in you than you may be aware of. And just because you may not have heard of this, it doesn't mean it's not happening. I believe God is at work actively in us. So, verse 28, Paul writes, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God. Perfect, In their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, and here's the line I want you to hear, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. He was only able to say that because of verse 27, where he says, the secret's out. Christ lives in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How many in our culture, in our neighborhoods, where we work are are lacking hope? Needing hope, desperately thinking, oh no, it's too far gone, this world's getting worse. Oh no, who's in charge? Oh no, did my misbehavior um, cause me to miss the grace of God? My friend, you're not big enough or strong enough to outbehave the love and grace of Christ. Any rational person hearing that would realize that does not mean you can then go out and 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 act in ways that are absolutely inconsistent with your identity and think there are no consequences. <laughs> there are consequences. But why not live out of the consequences of Christ in you? Why not recognize his mighty power is in us and as Paul just finished declaring, he's depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me, he writes. This is a fantastic lead-in to the story of the prodigal son. My question would be, how well do you know your dad? How well do you know your heavenly father? In fact, this story is connected to two others. We have the story of the lost sheep. The lost sheep is a powerful one because we know the story of the ninety. He leaves the ninety-nine and he goes after the one. Well, here's what's interesting about the lost sheep. Whose sheep was it? It was the owner's sheep, but the sheep was lost. It did not not have an owner. It totally was owned by the shepherd. So the the value of the sheep, the, the identity of the sheep, the ownership, it had a father, it had a leader, it had ownership. So there's a really neat mindset that we need to change about the lost sheep. Because I believe in some uh, Christian circles, we see the lost sheep as one who has walked away from God and is now independent. There is no such thing as absolute independence. We are created as dependent beings. Who are we dependent on? Are we trying to be self-dependent or are we dependent on the life and the love of Christ in us? The second story is the lost coin. The one woman loses her, one of her coins and and she searches everywhere to find it. And just like in the lost sheep story, there's a big celebration when the sheep comes back and is found. And there's a big celebration when the woman finds her coin. Had that coin ever lost its value? No, it was always full value. That's why she searched for it. That's why she went after it. This is good news, people. How many times do we think we are too far gone or have lost our value in Christ? I want you to know today three things. One, you are loved. Absolutely, deeply, passionately loved by God, by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you are deeply valued. By God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you are deeply liked. Yes, liked. God likes you. Jesus likes you. The Holy Spirit likes you. In fact, they delight in you. Some of us, we can't even delight in ourselves because of a false concept we have of ourselves. I hope through this program, you will begin to see a healthier and a better perspective of how God sees you. And if God sees you as good, maybe you can too. And when you do see yourself as good, clean, pure, holy, loved, valued, you will discover that your behavior begins to change from the inside out. It is a transformation of your mind, which relates and turns into transformation of your actions and a transformation of everything else going on around you. The story of the prodigal son. I used to think that this was a story that was purely about forgiveness. I thought The story was about the father quickly forgiving in whatever way he could, forgiving the son for spending all the money and doing all sorts of bad things. And I thought, wow, what a story of forgiveness. And so that story has been used in all kinds of forgiveness sermons, messages, and devotionals. I'd like to suggest another option to what the story of the prodigal son could be about. I'd like to suggest that this story is about the loving Father. Not so much about forgiveness, but the loving Father. If we can take a look at this story through that lens, maybe we're going to get a hint into what's really going on behind the scenes. You see, Jesus began telling the story in Luke chapter 15. He begins by saying, There was once a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, I don't think, or don't you think it's time to give me a share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead, distributed among the two sons their inheritance, and shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed so far off to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Reckless living. Oh my goodness. Now let's begin the story with a focus on a couple key points. I hope you'll get some really neat nuggets of gold and encouragement today from this story. The story begins with a father who has two sons. Throughout the entire story, are they ever not sons? No, they are always sons. Both the son who left and squandered and the son who stayed, they were both sons. Their sonship never changed. That's really important to remember. Their identity never changed, although their perspective of their identities needed some enhancements in changing and redeeming. This is, this is quite powerful. So the story continues, and he, the son decides to uh, remember that his father has servants and food because what's happened now, the son has entered a famine. There is a huge problem in the land, and there's no food. So he ends up having to work on a pig farm. Well, pig farms are the worst place for them to work, especially if you're a Jew. You just don't associate with pigs. It was a bad, bad thing. So he remembered his father and, and thought to himself, hmm, they all have enough food. All my father's servants, maybe I can go back grovel and at least get some food like this is this is pretty interesting. I was told growing up that the son had a repentance moment. It was in the pig's pen that the son repented. May I suggest another option here? What if the son didn't repent? What if that son, had pure egotistical motives. All he wanted was to survive and have food. Is there a chance that the son was only trying to manipulate, in fact, even try to manipulate his father by creating this speech, hopefully to woo and wow him into allowing him to stay? Let's come back uh, to the second half of our program and visit the story and let's see what the father does with this. See you in a moment. Family run, family-owned, so their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener, and you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. Welcome back to the second half of our program today. We're digging into the story of the prodigal son and unpacking it with some new perspectives that you may not have heard about before. I'm introducing some menu items, uh, different lens for which uh, helps us see a better picture of what's going on in this story. I don't believe this story is about forgiveness, which is what has been told to us for many, many years. I believe this is a story of the loving father. In fact, I found out as I looked up the Passion Translation online, it gives the heading for this part of the section or this part of the story, not the prodigal son, but the loving father. What a beautiful way to spin this. I'm going to come back to the story uh, where the, the prodigal son has left. He's squandered his money. He's now in trouble. In verse 17 in Luke chapter 15, he says this, humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing. And he thought, There are so many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want, with plenty to share, they lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. (laughs) So this was the manipulation speech, folks. I've been told that it was at that moment in the pig pen, repentance came to this young man. I don't believe it fully did. I believe that was just another manipulation ego trip of this prodigal son trying to manipulate his circumstances. He manipulated his father into giving him an inheritance. Now he's thinking of a way to manipulate his father just to give him some food so he can get away from this humiliating pig slop area. So he plans a speech and he decides to come home. So verse 20, the story continues. So the son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and and had great compassion, swelling up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, as in rehearsed speech, here it comes, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And suddenly the father cuts him off. The father would not let him finish. The father interrupts him and says, Son, you're home now. Isn't this amazing? And then verse 22, turning to his servants, the father said, Quick! Get me the best robe, my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship. And I will put the ring on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found And. Everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. This is a story of hope. Do you notice in the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and now the lost son, the key theme here is celebration. When both or all all of those are redeemed, the sheep, the coin, and the son, when they come home, they're embraced with love, tender love, and care. Well, the story continues because, like we said, there are two sons. Verse 25, the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned, and as he approached the house, he heard the music and celebration and dancing. So he called over to one of the servants and asked, what is going on? And the servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father's thrown a party to celebrate his homecoming. Well, the older son became very, very angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, Come and enjoy the feast with us. (laughs) The son said to his father, Are you kidding me? listen father how many years have i been working like a slave for you performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son and i've never disobeyed you but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness never once have you even given me a goat that i could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now but look at this son of yours He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him? And the the father said, "'My son, you were always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy.' It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. There are some very powerful things to pull out of this story. Both sons had problems, and they were the exact same problem. Both sons made the mistake of believing that their behavior affected the love of the Father. So when the one son, the prodigal son came home, he was miserable after he foolishly sinned. And the older brother, after the story goes on, was miserable after he, listen to this, faithfully served. Do you remember the line he said? You've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. (laughs) wow! How many believers today think their faithfulness has anything to do with God's love for them? I think there's a lot more than we know or even think. Maybe we even have subtle beliefs ourselves that somehow our faithfulness is what causes God to like us, love us, or value us. Huh, I think that's a worthy question to consider. Both of them had a problem. They thought their performance would gain them um, acceptability from their father. The, the miserable son, who the prodigal who had left, believed his bad behaviors discounted the father's love. The other son believed his good behavior added value. And love from his father, and couldn't believe it when that wasn't even counted. The father says something very powerful to the the son who stayed home. He said, "All I have is yours." <laughs> Do you know what that line means, folks? Did you ever think about that one sentence? He said, "All I have is yours." I believe. The interpretation of that line that Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples is, Don't you know who you are? Don't you know your identity? You are my child. That's all that matters right now. You're my child. This is amazing news. So the story of the loving father makes sense now. He loved his two sons unconditionally they were both sons the whole time. The one who left forgot his identity. He was still the son of the father. No matter where he went, what he did, he was still his son. And the father was looking for him and ran out to meet him. We sometimes think the word prodigal is a bad word. We sometimes think it's referring to um, this one story in the scripture that tells us what dumb living or foolish living or uh, excessive living can look like, and that is not what God's like. I want to suggest something you may not have thought of before. What if the prodigal son was more like his father than we ever realized? Take a look at what the definition of prodigal means. It, there's a couple of meanings here. It's The first one that we're most familiar with is spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. The prodigal habits die hard. <laughs> the second opinion or defi- definition of prodigal that we need to consider, and this will help you see what I'm talking about here, it goes like this. It's having... Or giving something on a lavish scale, the dessert was crunchy with brown sugar, and the prodigal with and prodigal with whipped cream. Excessive, maybe, just maybe, the son was far more like his father than we've ever given him credit for. Maybe the son exhibited traits of the father and never realized the source of these traits. Because the father was extravagant in love when the father when the son came home, the father extravagantly, lavishly, excessively, freely, recklessly, loved his son, lavished him with the coat, put on the ring, gave him the shoes, gave him the big feast, they did the big party excessively. This is called prodigal so. When we hear the term prodigal son again, remember, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The father is just as lavish and ridiculous with his love towards us. Is it fair? No. But who says it's fair? You see, Christ is using this story to talk about his own uh, relationship with us, that we have been restored to a great relationship. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says this, In other words, God was using Christ to restore His relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And He has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. This is good news. The story of the prodigal son is a picture of a restored relationship. That things are in good standing things have always been right with the Father. It was in the mind of the prodigal son and in the mind of the son who stayed home. It was in their thinking there was a flaw. The darkness was there. They were dead in their thinking and became alive, especially the prodigal son became alive in his mind when he woke up to the extravagant love of the Father. This is the message you need to take home today. This is the voice of love coming to you from God's Son, Jesus, to you. Because Jesus is speaking about His Heavenly Father. He's speaking about the tender love He fully is aware of and wants us to change our minds about the Father. Will you consider a mind change today? If new information is presented that you may not have heard before or presented in a way you have not heard before, would you be willing to at least consider it? and think, maybe God is better than what I've been told. Maybe it's my perspective that needs to be changed. I invite you to change your mind. As Paul said in Romans, we are renewed in our minds. May these stories and this show become an encouragement to you. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 1130 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 1030 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.